Hey guys, Caroline Ferguson with Grateful and Company here, bringing you guys another amazing story to share. I was connected, if you tuned in to our last, um, or actually our podcast session, session, time before last, I had Miss Sahar on. And Miss Sahar is brilliant and is the ultimate connector and introducer. She made an incredible connection um, to me and with Grateful and Company to uh, Dr. Brittany Barreto. I have the pleasure of speaking to Dr. Barreto today on the podcast. She is a total, just like female entrepreneur that's female entrepreneur that's literally killing it, you guys. I mean, quite literally killing it. She is the person that you need to be watching right now. She is the CEO of Faramore, and I will let her dive into what Faramore is and where it came from. Um, She's also the co-founder of Cooper's Crossroads, which will briefly touch on just to kind of hear about what it is, but we're going to be really focusing on Faramore and, and Dr. Barreto for this episode. Um, she is just, I mean, quite literally, I did so much research about Dr. Barreto. She has quite literally blown me away, um, with her, just, just what she's done. I mean, it's really quite phenomenal. I'm so excited and I'm so grateful to have her on our podcast today and where we're going to like hear her story, um, hear her journey, what led her to where she is and why she's still here. And we're going to talk about gratitude and mental health while we're at it, because that's just kind of how we roll on this podcast. So thank you, as always, for joining on us, joining us, and let's dive right in. Um, so Dr. Barreto, who are you? <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, I am a Jersey girl, born and <laughs> raised in New Jersey. Um, you know, whenever I have friends visit New York City and they come back to Houston, they're like, hey, I understand you a little bit better. So I definitely am a Jersey girl, have those qualities. Um, I am a survivor. I had a, a pretty tough childhood, and so I would, I would definitely qualify myself as a survivor. I have a doctorate in genetics, uh, molecular and human genetics from Baylor College of Medicine. So I'm a woman who, uh, when I like something, I go 110%. I get a doctorate in it. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> I'm a dog mom. I have a rescue pit bull named Tripsin, which is an enzyme we use in the laboratory. So awesome. I'm a nerd through and through. Um, I'm also CEO and co-founder of Faramore, which is a DNA-based dating app that I have created and I've been the CEO for two years now. That is awesome. That is so, wow, like crazy. I also have a rescue. His name is Sparrow, and he is quite literally the love of my life. I'm a, I'm a dog mom to two fur babies, and they are just my world. I love them. They're the best. <laughs> They're so great. Um, so let's talk about Faramore. What led you to creating Faramore, and um, why are you still pursuing it? Like, what what's the drive behind Faramore? Because it's, I mean... Faramore is the first of its kind that I've literally ever seen. Um, I mean, I'm, I've never used a dating app personally, but I have, you know, it feels like my entire community is on some sort of dating app. And my network, being a recent college grad, it's they're incredibly popular. But I've never actually seen one that was genetics-based, and I think that's so interesting. So could you dive in a little bit for us and share with us where that came from? Yeah, for sure. So... Um, when I was in my undergraduate career at Drew University, which is a small liberal arts school in New Jersey, I was in a genetics seminar and we had a lecture, a whole class on 
how scientists for decades have been able to predict who is attracted to who because of their DNA. And it has to do with your immune system genes. So humans are just like the rest of the animal kingdom. We're actually using our nose and we're smelling each other's pheromones all the time. We don't realize it, but we are. And what we're doing is smelling for how different someone's immune system genes are compared to our own because that means they're probably not our relative. And that means that we should maybe mate with them. And so when we smell someone's immune system genes that are very different from our own, our brain releases a bunch of oxytocin and adrenaline, and we call that love at first sight. And so we're learning about this in class, and you know the professor's like, yeah, so scientists have published it lots of times. They can predict who's attracted to who because of 11 genes, da-da-da. And I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. And so I rose my hand in class, and I said, professor, can I make a geneharmony.com? And he scoffed, and everyone kind of looked at me and rolled their eyes, and he was like, I mean, I guess you could, but that's weird. And so from the very first time I pitched the idea, I was told, like, that was a weird idea. Um, But he also said, I guess you could. And that was all I needed. Um, The the seed had been planted, and I thought that would be so awesome. But... um, this was probably nine years ago so at the time the dating apps didn't exist there was match.com and eHarmony but um, I mean at the time I had a Blackberry apps were not a thing Um, and also sending your DNA sample in the mail was not normal yet no one was doing that 23andMe had just formed and they were just starting to sell kids so just wasn't the right time so this idea that I had did seem crazy and weird because it was like what's a dating app and why would you do DNA what is that but I thought that would be so cool So fast forward, I was finishing my doctorate in genetics and figuring out what kind of career path I wanted to have, and I thought, man, I have way too much personality for a laboratory. Uh, (laughs) I don't want to work in pharmaceuticals because I'm an animal lover, and I don't want to ever have to test on animals. So what the heck am I going to do? So I took a few entrepreneurship classes and realized that that was where I fit in the most, and I found my tribe, right? And... um, my tribe kept asking me, Britt, when are you going to start a company? You know, you have the drive and the initiative. And I said, well, I just had this one crazy idea for a DNA-based dating app. And everyone was like, that's not crazy at all. That sounds awesome. You should do it. And uh, it was the end of 2016. I had actually gone through some uh, personal challenges and a lot of growth. I actually, um, you know, like I said in the beginning, I'm a survivor. And so I struggle with PTSD. And my PTSD symptoms had really gotten the best of me in 2016. I didn't have the skills around how to handle my symptoms. And I ended up going inpatient for 30 days for PTSD treatment. And that really was a pivotal moment in my life. And it changed the trajectory. And it motivated me to just live every day to the fullest. And one of the things to do for living the fullest is follow your crazy ideas and your crazy dreams. And so December 2016, I pitched the idea of Fairmore at an accelerator program. I got accepted, met my co-founder, and the rest is history. That's amazing. That is, what a story. Holy cow. So first off, thank you for being here. Um, I have mad respect for survivors, and I just have a, a whole mind and heart of admiration for those who have have 
quite literally barely survived some of life's most challenging moments. Um, so thank you for being here. That's awesome. And um, that was an incredible story. I I love how you kind of, you you touched on your your journey into entrepreneurship. Did you think when you first started out pursuing, I guess, learning about genetics, did you ever think that building a business would be in your future? Or was it something that you fell into once you realized the potential with this, uh, with this actual model? Yeah, it was kind of something I fell into. Um, I listened to a lot of audiobooks, and there's a lot of audiobooks written by successful white men entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And what I'm noticing in all of their books is that they started their first business at six years old and they had 50 businesses before they started, you know, the one that made them a billionaire. That's so true. It's so so funny because I'm listening to all these tapes and I'm like, I, I am definitely 110% an entrepreneur. And this is like my first company though. Like that was, it's not my story that I was, came out of the womb as a founder. Like it was definitely something that was, uh, I had to be convinced of to mm-hmm. do, and it was later in life because, I mean, later in life. I mean, I what should I say that for? I'm twenty, I'm tw- twenty-seven. I started at twenty-five. I'm so pretty young, right? Oh but heck yeah! Nevertheless, like the idea of uh, diving in and taking huge risk, it was just something that one, my gender wasn't encouraged to do, <laughs> and two, my mental illness of PTSD was like please don't take any more risk. Like, let's not. Like, let's just do the same route. Like, just get A's, get a doctorate. And so entrepreneurship was never really, seemed really crazy, risky. I didn't know any entrepreneurs. Uh, I originally thought I wanted to be a genetic counselor because I have human emotional skills. And so I thought, oh, I'll be a genetic counselor and I'll meet with pregnant women and talk to them about their genetics. And that's so, so meaningful, so great. And in college, I actually shadowed one for the day, and she, this genetic counselor, spent her whole day telling pregnant moms and the dads that their baby was going to be sick. And I realized, oh my gosh, I'm way too emotional <laughs> to do oh this Oh my job. gosh, I can't even imagine. Holy cow. I know, right? right? Seriously. So I, um, I much rather have a, the career I do now, which is I find people love. And the results I get is about people having great first dates and finding their soulmate. I much rather have to deal with that genetic result than the disease one. So I think I made it. I made the right turn. Made the right pivot. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's so funny that. So I graduated from, officially graduated in May of 2018 from the entrepreneurship program at the University of Houston. That's where I I did my schooling at. And what is so funny to me, listening to your story and listening to kind of my journey through higher education, I, way back in the day, uh, way back in the day, I'm... I'm 22, um, so it's, there's not much back in the day. But <laughs> for, to the extent of what my back in the day serves as, um, I originally thought I wanted to be a neurologist and then quickly parlayed into thinking I wanted to be an actress, um, which I can definitely see how both of those uh, kind of side or tangent passions, I can definitely see how both of those things parlay into being a business owner like you can sometimes you see bits and pieces of all the things you love kind of finding them their way into what you ultimately end up doing so like I can definitely see that from stuff that I um, thought I would previously pursue but what is hilarious is 
when I thought I was going to pursue acting full time, it, <laughs> I literally, I sat down with my family and their, their, um, the response to me wanting to go to college to get an acting degree was, there's no way, you know, that's too much of a risk. You're, you know, there's, you're going to be a starving artist, blah, blah. Everybody's heard that spiel. But and the irony was they said, why don't you just go get an entrepreneurship degree? And I was like, okay. But the reality of that statement is being an entrepreneur is one of the most risky things you can do. I mean, there is no, there is no really confirmation that you will ever be successful. You are pursuing just something you you believe in, you're passionate about, and you want to see go from ideation to execution and like real life. But there's just because you have a degree and it does not mean that you're going to be as, you know, be successful at it. So I just thought that was hilarious because stability in, in my family's eyes was and my own was, well, just go get an entrepreneurship degree. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, was that's funny? But uh, I, so I was doing some research on Fairmore, um, and I noticed the kind of the the partnership or the relationship that you have with Gift of Love, and I really think that's special. Um, could you share with our audience what that relationship and partnership looks like, and and where it came from? Yeah, definitely. So uh, actually, we provide the gift of love. We're in partnership, though, with a nonprofit called Gift of Life. Gift of, oh, I have that misspelled. I'm so sorry. Gift of Life. That's what I meant. I know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Gift of Life is a uh, national bone marrow registry. So people with leukemia, lymphoma, or other blood disorders, they need to get uh, bone marrow transplants or stem cell transplants. It's the same thing. And um, there's a huge issue right now because the vast majority of the people who are registered donors in the database are Caucasian. And so people that are not Caucasian have less than 10% chance of finding a donor in the registry. Wow. And so people with cancer, you know, uh, immune system and blood cancers, they're dying because they can't get a trivial basic procedure because they can't find a match. And the reason they can't find a match is just because people of minority groups haven't signed up for the registry. So that's some background on to Gift of Life and what they do. And they essentially get people to register into the donor database. Now, why the heck is Fairmore, a DNA-based dating app, have anything to do with bone marrow? Well, remember I said attraction is based on your immune system genes. Mm-hmm. And these genes are called your HLA genes. And when you donate bone marrow, um, you want to have the same HLA genes. So attraction is about opposites. But when you donate an organ, similar to how, you know, you see in the movies or whatever, like you want your sister to donate an organ to the brother, you know, or a mother or relative because you want the same immune system. So when you register to be a donor, you get your HLA looked at. And what I realized as a geneticist um, and also having done years of cancer research, Mm -hmm. I'm very passionate about it. um, I realized that we could actually fight cancer using our dating app by... Um, asking people on our app, um, asking singles, would you like to register to be a bone marrow donor? It's one swab, two registries, one's to find love, and one is that you might be contacted because a little girl with leukemia is the same HLA type as you, and you could donate bone marrow to her. Wow. And so it just seemed so seamless that that's exactly what we should do. And so, you know, we called uh, Gift of Life, and they were all on board. I mean, their mission is to get more people registered. And so especially launching the dating app 
originally we launched our MVP in Houston and we're the most diverse city in the nation. You know, right off the bat, we could get some more diverse and minority groups uh, signed up into the registry and, and save lives. And so I'm so excited for the day that we save someone's life because the person registered through the Fairmore app. That is so incredible. That is, yeah, that is really a very, what a unique um, just value add from the existence of Fairmore. I mean, just the amount, uh, just the insane diversity you guys are able to add to um, a pool that was so, um, really so limited. It didn't have enough of what it needed. Um, that is really, really amazing. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a personal value of mine to empower underrepresented groups, whether it's yeah. You know, medically or socially or whatever, like un- empowering underrepresented groups is my personal mission. But Faramore as a company, our one of our core values is using data for good. So how can we make money? We're a for-profit company, right? We're not a non-profit, yep. for-profit. But how can we become a company in 2019 that has data and wants to make money, but we're not going to use data against the user, you know, against humans, because right now people in the country are very skeptical about what do you do with my data, what are you selling it to, what are you using it for, what are you going to try to sell me because of it, and so when, you know, I started this company, I said, we're going to try to shift the paradigm, and it's going to look weird, and it's going to look strange, and it's going to look different, but it's going to be for good, so we we do share the data with Gift of Life in exchange for them to, like, um, they subsidize our costs. Mm-hmm. But for them, it's saving them money for marketing budget. I'm, we're literally just bringing the swabs right to them. We're, all, we're doing all the processing for them. Sure. And, but, yeah, so there is technically a revenue model there, but it's for good. It's for saving lives, and it's just consent-based. And it's not, you know, oh, we're going to collect all this data and sell it to pharmaceuticals for drug research. You know, it's, it's a different type. It's a, it's a shift in the paradigm of how do you use data and still make money and keep consumer confidence. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And such, what this could literally not be a more perfect time to shift that paradigm because you're totally right. That talk with data is like a fearful talk. People yeah. like a, privacy feels almost on every platform like it's been breached, and um, yeah. people are very nervous about who does have access to my personal data, where is it going, who is who does have access to it, so on and so forth. So, um, what an awesome shift to that uh, conversation that you guys are initiating with um, this amazing, amazing thing you're doing. I just hats off to you and your team for doing that. I just think that's amazing. Um, Thank you. I think it's, you know, it's a company value, but also personally, like how do do you have a, a healthy company, but also how do you live a healthy life? And I think it's about being transparent and authentic and honest with your intentions. Right. Yeah. I think if we live more openly with how what our motives are and what we're really feeling or thinking, like our relationships are going to prosper. And as a company, I feel that if we just hide behind big branding and big marketing, the consumer actually doesn't trust that as much as you know, Brittany, Dr. Brittany Barreto. Every Friday, I tune in on uh, Facebook Live. I call it Fairmore Fridays, and I just chat with people for ten minutes, like. That's 23andMe CEO is not doing that, right? No. This big monster of a company, and I think consumers are scared by that size. And so I'm doing the flip strategy, which is like, hey, I am the CEO and the co-founder, and I am here to talk to you about your questions, right? And that's just that more uh, transparent and authentic uh, present 
voice um, being like, hey, I'm a human, not a huge corporation. Let's, this is, this is, I want to help you find love. That is my intention. It is nothing else. I want to help you find love because connection is so important. That's, yeah, absolutely. You've created, you are not like hiding behind the facade of your company. You are like, you are there. You are the pe- people know who you are. Um, yeah, it, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge, huge difference. Um, I, so let's talk about mental health for a second. So for me, and I guess within my generation, I felt like, I feel like I've noticed this big shift, right? So we went from like Match.com and eHarmony to this Tinder vibe when it comes to dating apps. We went from putting in a whole bunch of, you know, theoretical personal information about who we are on a platform and, you know, potentially being matched based on those traits and characteristics that we had entered in about ourselves to quite literally swiping left or right based on a picture of somebody's face, um, which is, which is literally not even a good picture. Like it's filtered. It's not true. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, oh Lord have mercy. (laughs) But yes, we, we went from putting in minimal information about ourselves, but information to quite literally depending entirely on a selfie, um, in the best lighting with the best filter and, uh, and you know, the best kind of environment. And I think that there's a huge correlation between, um, and this is my personal opinion. And I, what I'm, I want to hear your feedback on this is, um, the correlation between consistent bad dates per dating apps that have no justifiable reasoning for the people matching, except for both people swiping right on each other and deteriorating mental health. I just, I, I, I can't see anything good coming from that. Um, what are your thoughts there? (laughs) Well, um, I'll start by saying most entrepreneurs and founders create companies to solve their own problems. So I was using dating apps for over four years, Mm -hmm. swiping and swiping and dating and dating and dating and just continuously on this bad first date merry-go-round. I could, it was a, it's a joke at the company that I could write a book about all the bad first date stories I have. Right. And it's humorous to an extent, but when you have four years worth of, misconnection Mm -hmm. if I can use that term right like it's very discouraging it is incredibly discouraging when we need connection to feel um seen and held and loved and you know my love language is touch Mm -hmm. and so sometimes I just I have like a hug quota like I need three hugs a day to feel okay (laughs) and so when I'm on this dating merry-go-round I'm I'm experiencing swiping fatigue where I'm just swiping and swiping swiping and so um I don't know what the research is yet I think that is yet to come and it's probably being you know studied right now about mental uh wellness and connection to using dating apps but you know I can definitely very candidly tell you that I know that I would swipe out of boredom and out of uh, self-affirmation so in an unhealthy way you know like every time you got a match I felt like I got a a gold coin a point right you know a point of like oh I'm liked oh that feels good you know Mm -hmm. and the reason I I saw that correlation was because I would swipe more when I was feeling down 
And it's like, well, if I'm feeling this sad, maybe I shouldn't be dating people. I should be meditating more, you know? Oh, yeah, good point. Yes. (laughs) More coffee with girlfriends or something better, like go for a run. But instead, I'm laying in bed swiping, you know, trying to collect more gold coins, right? And so um, that's just me speaking, you know, from my heart with my experience. And I just experienced dating people based on their picture and going on so many dates and being like, I think I know, well, I'm not sure exactly what I want, but I know what I don't want. And y'all keep showing up as what I don't want. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that there's a point where a lot of people think that they should uh, settle for one cultural norms, which, you know, my experience has been if you're on Tinder, you're looking for sex. And it's like, well, can I be on Tinder and still say no? Right. Like, is that even allowed? Or is that, like, is that culturally so expected that it, I would be a bad person for saying no, for not having sex on our first date, you know? Yeah. I think there's a lot of conversations to be had around that. And then uh, there's also the, you know, feeling so just down about not finding someone, I would start to consider maybe I should loosen my standards, you know? Maybe I don't need to have... Uh, you know, require the guy or woman I date to have this kind of uh, higher education or this kind of a job right. or whatever. I just kept thinking about settling. And um, gosh, I'm so glad I didn't. I found a I found an amazing, amazing, amazing partner using my DNA kit, and we're super compatible, and we're super in love, and <laughs> wonderful, and he meets all of the things I was looking for, and I'm so glad I didn't settle, but... I can't imagine how many people out there are settling for someone that they're just like, well, dang, I don't want to keep swiping. Like this is, this might be as good as it gets, you know? And that, that really breaks my heart. I, yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the perspective you, you offer is just so real and raw and it's, I, I think that really nails it right on the head. Coming from like the viewpoint of, of not really having experience with dating apps in the past, I appreciate your perspective where it's like, you know, you found yourself swiping almost for affirmation that, yeah, I'm liked. I mean, just collect these gold coins and uh, more gold coins mean, hey, you know, I'm probably doing better in life than what I could be yeah. if I didn't have any gold coins. And yeah. But the reality is I'm literally doing this because I don't feel good. Like there's yeah. something wrong and... I should be focusing on me right now and maybe more time with, with, you know, my friends or meditating or so on and so forth. I think that's awesome. So that's why Faramore only offers 10 profiles per day and they're hand selected. They're based on the gender and age that you filtered for, but they're also filtered on, um, uh, proximity to you. So location that we show you the people closest to you first. And then we also show you people that you're DNA compatible with. And what this does is it tries to persuade people to not use it as a form of um, distraction um, and, a, uh, and a form of self-affirmation through, you know, likes. And instead, it's like, hey, these are wholesome humans, and you're a wholesome human. And we want you to look through all 10 of these profiles that we've hand-selected for you because we know you're looking for true connection, and so are these people. They sent in their DNA in the mail. They're committed. They're invested, you know? Yeah. Um, They're not looking to download the app tonight and then delete it on Sunday, right? Like, these are people who download the app and they bought a DNA kit to find connection. So what we have found is that um, our users are truly are, like, me as the target customer because they're young working professionals who don't have time to go on all these bad first dates 
and they're sick of the games and they're like hey you know what i've done it it's fun i'm not dissing it and i'm not ready to go on matching harmony but i'm over the swiping like what's in the middle there and Faramore really fits that well yeah i couldn't agree more um so as like an entrepreneur and a business owner and, and founder why, I guess in your own opinion, why is maintaining a positive mental state important? Um, especially just coming from the perspective of, you got a lot of stuff on your plate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've um, definitely not always been 100% positive mental state in the past two years. There's been ups and downs. Sure. And sure. what I can say is that when I'm in the downs, when I'm not taking care of myself and my mental state is lower... Or even if I am taking care of myself, but times are just like really, really tough, right? I notice that I am a uh, reactor and not a responder. And as a leader, I want to be a responder, someone who takes in information, sits, breathes, considers, and gives a response that is appropriate for like the crowd, appropriate for the moment, appropriate for whoever I'm talking to. Uh, but when I was in these lulls, I noticed that I'm a reactor where I hear something and get some input. I get an email and I wanted to shoot back an email that says, why would you ever say that? You know? Or, yeah. No, I get that. <laughs> no, why would you do that? You know, or say something just like based in anger or sadness or jealousy or whatever. And I caught myself being like, I, I, I'll use this one example cause it's kind of funny, but it was like the, like the keystone of what I'm talking about here uh my co-founder and I were discussing something and and the conversation was going on so long and I really had to use the restroom but he kept talking talking, (laughs) more and more stuff and then he was I thought we were done and he was like oh and and this one other thing and I was like Ben I really have to go pee (laughs) okay no problem oh my goodness and I realized in that moment like oh girl like you need to that's powerful too how do you how do you kind of um maintain that perspective what are, are there any like specific things that you do to make sure that you're on track with being a, a responder versus a reactor like how do you maintain that that mindset oh, it's like another job no yes <laughs> <laughs> and um and i like say woe is me but with the PTSD I do feel like I need to really invest in my mental wellness on a daily basis and you know um, I'm not upset that I have to work maybe harder than people who don't have mental illness but this is just these are just the cards I've dealt so I have a daily uh, regimen of uh, 15 minutes of yoga and 10 minute meditation in the morning and the yoga is very relaxed I'm not putting it's not 100 degrees. I'm not doing headstands. It's mostly just stretching. Mm-hmm. But it's 15 minutes of yoga to get me my body and 10-minute meditation. 
where I literally am just sitting on a pillow and my dog comes up and like licks my face. So it's like, it's not perfect, but it's just a quiet time. Um, and I have to do that every day and I really see a difference when I do it and when I don't. Mm. Um, some of the other things I do to maintain positivity and a healthy mindset is surrounding myself with people who believe in me. So, um, you know, I kind of have this joke at Fairmore. We have six full-time employees. We have about eight contractors, and they've all drank the Kool-Aid. They're <laughs> all passionate about DNA dating and the revolution of romance that we are leading. That's awesome. And it's amazing because if I'm down, if I'm like, oh, I'm not sure what we're doing. What? Why are we doing this? Why should we even continue to have a two offices filled with people being like, good morning, Britt, we're so excited. <laughs> Look at the believers. You're leading the pack of believers. And so, like, surrounding myself with believers is really important, but also outside of the office, surrounding myself with people that I can have a good smile on all day and then leave work and call someone and say, hey, I need to cry. Like, yeah. I need an ugly cry right now, you know? And they still know I'm a strong woman who's a leader, who's a boss babe, and she cries, you know? Yeah, that is... people is really, really important. I am so glad you said that because that I feel like is not said enough. The There's like... One of the things that I find myself dealing with so much when building the community and the tribe around Grateful and Company, um, coming from my background, which is why Grateful and Company was started. I lost my dad 12 years ago to, to suicide, and I'm kind of on a crusade to make sure that that doesn't happen ever again. I realize that's a lofty goal, but that's what drives me. And um, But it, there's two really, 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 really interesting perspectives that just totally baffle me. The first being the perspective that my dad and his demographic kind of share, and that is you know, middle-aged man, um, sole provider, um, lots and lots of pressure, lots and lots, lots of stress in being kind of the stability and the foundation for really the, the world that they lived in. And um, the, the, the mindset there being, you know, I can't, I can't admit that I need mental health help because of who I am. And then there's the other side where what I feel like I deal with now and just hearing so many stories of this and and also at one at one point coming from this place um understanding like being able to recognize yeah I need mental health help but I'm not to the point of um and I don't want to say humbling myself but I guess being self-aware enough to admit if I don't acknowledge out loud that I need to cry that I need to say Caroline you are not okay and that is okay I am going to spiral out of control it's like the acknowledgement and the acceptance of you know, like, no, there's something wrong. And having a support group and having a community built around you that are willing to accept you and say, hey, Caroline, ball your eyes out. I'm here. Like, I yeah. want you. Because, like, the first step of healing is a acknowledging, admitting, like, I need to heal. I, there's something to heal here. Yeah. <laughs> something yeah. is broken. And um, I think that's so important. And I'm so glad you touched on that coming from this place of being a female entrepreneur and, and having a lot of responsibility and having a lot of people kind of hold you accountable for doing these big things. Um, just saying, you know, it's important to have a community of people and a network of people 
who are also able to accept you and to welcome you when you are like at your lowest, when you're crumbling, when you're not feeling good. And they can just say, it's cool. Like you can cry. And I, I want to be with you when you cry. I think that's awesome. Yeah, you know, uh, one of our missions is to uh, end isolation with innovation. Um, You know, how can we innovate technology in order to end isolation and bring people together? And right now it's for romance, but uh, I definitely try to trickle that throughout the rest of my life, too. I love that. Um, We've got a couple more minutes, so let's let's talk about gratitude real quick. Let's speed round. What are your thoughts on physical gratitude, Brittany? <laughs> uh, physical gratitude for me is uh, saying words of affirmation to the people and the things that I am grateful for. Um, I tell my dog so many times that he's <laughs> the best dog in the world. I tell my coworkers very, very frequently several times a day, hey, I really appreciate you. Hey, that was a really great job. And it seems so like, it's almost like redundant because, but it's, but you don't get to hear people say as many affirmations as they might actually feel. And so right. whenever I get an opportunity to highlight somebody verbally, I'll do so. Um, and I think, uh, love languages is a good way to figure out like how you could express gratitude to different people. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, we were talking about Sahar in the beginning of this. She's somebody I hug. I hug her, you know, like when I'm yeah. grateful, I'm like, Oh, I just want to squeeze you. (laughs) I have a co-founder who is an immigrant from China, Dr. Ben Wong. He is like, please, let's not hug ever. Like, I really, like, that doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy, actually. So for him, it's more like letters or words of affirmation. And so each person has their own uh, way that I'm able to express my gratitude to them. I, again, I, I love that you are so intentional and vocal about physical words of affirmation with your team like that is wildly important um I remember like I remember dreaming of the day when I was going throughout college and really high school working odd jobs you know but wishing that that was done more not even like for me as an employee for previous like jobs but the people around me that were there and committed full time and weren't juggling like school and work at the same time like I I wished it for them because physical affirmation of like hey I see you I acknowledge you like I appreciate you that is so powerful and when I was when I was doing my research throughout college about like what do we need fundamentally to like lead happier and healthier lives those three things were resounding over and over and over again. We have to know that we are seen and acknowledged. We have to believe that we are worthy and deserving of this life through physical acts of appreciation. So like acknowledging, hey, you contributed to my life and I see you and I thank you for that. And then the third is like, we have to feel valued and loved to a certain extent. And however that is communicated, it comes off and like an expression of appreciation and gratitude. And unless those three things are fulfilled and met like there are voids and physical affirmations of you are doing a great job I really appreciate you you're killing it that goes such a long way so that's awesome and and you know what's so funny is that um when I give these words of affirmation I can think of five I've given today already I actually when I give it to them I smile and my insides feel warm and fuzzy because I'm their leader and I'm their boss and so there's like this sense of like 
I'm saying it authentically and genuinely to them, but actually on the inside, I'm like, and I hired you. I rock. Yes. Like, I'm building a company that you're excited to work for and do good work for. And so that's not my intention in giving someone words of affirmation. But if anyone's wondering, um, you know, why would I want to tell these people good things? Because it actually helps you, too. It does. Know? It does. Oh, my gosh. Brittany, I am feel like I'm on a soapbox all the time when I talk about that. Because that is <laughs> so true. Physical gratitude makes us feel better. It yeah. doesn't. It goes both ways, right? Like, we share that we appreciate the people around us. And it makes them feel awesome because they feel like they're contributing and bringing you value. But simultaneously, it makes <laughs> us feel great because we recognize, oh, my God, I've got a pretty good life. Like, whoa. Yeah. I made some pretty good decisions like I'm here and these people are here and they're still in my life and so I must be doing something right um that's awesome so favorite way to share physical gratitude and who are you most grateful for um I would say my favorite way to show physical gratitude is probably in hugs um like I said I have a hug quota I I love that physical touch I I definitely respect the boundaries of personal space, and so there's a lot of, like, may I have a hug, or can we hug? Um, and if not, no problem, but uh, I would say I'm a, I'm a hugger. Um, I think probably why I started a pheromone-based dating app. It's all about getting close, you know? Yeah. Um, and then who I'm most grateful for, that's, that's pretty tough because it's, hard. it's, like, all these different people in all these different ways. Uh... Um, I, I don't know. This is going to be a, uh, or it can be somebody you're really grateful for. And maybe you've had before, but I'm going to say, I'm going to be, I'm very grateful for my inner intuition. I love that. I'm very grateful for it. It's like its own, uh, I think it's powered by mother earth. If I can get a little philosophical, I think it's like this God consciousness, this little internal compass that, you know, knows the truth and it has wisdom and it has good energy there and yeah for a long time I tried to diminish it because I was just like oh just you know being very negative towards my body and uh very negative towards these inner feelings that were telling me to make hard choices and I was like don't no I don't want to make I don't want to see that I don't want to know about that I don't want to see the truth I want to sit in this denial you know yeah and uh the fact that it has stayed with me and now it, it, it's grown so much that I use it on a daily basis as a leader to make decisions not just based on data but um, based on how my gut feels literally I, I'm so grateful for that internal direction and uh, I, I, it's not me saying that I'm grateful for me certainly not it's this it's this external energy that has you know burrowed itself in my core and I'm grateful for that I love that. That is one of the best answers to that question ever. Um, So final question and we'll wrap it up. So my, first of all, thank you so much for being here. This is awesome. Thank you for having me. I could talk to you all day. I know. This is so great. This is why I have to be so careful because these, these episodes will go on for hours and hours and hours because the conversations are just really great. They're good conversations and they're wholesome and and good things come out of them. But um, I always like to, to wrap with this. Um, so my audience is predominantly at this point students that are in college, specifically a majority of those students are at the University of Houston. That's where I graduated from last year. That's where all my peeps are at. Um, and that's also the university that we are piloting 
kind of our initiative at. We are a for-profit business on mission to radically impact college campuses by ending suicide on them. Um, and so we do a lot of work with college students um, and a lot of kind of campaigns and initiatives with them just to empower the physical expression of gratitude, to teach about the benefits of it, while simultaneously empowering mental health resources on campus through the funds that we're able to generate as a business. Um, so lots of college students hear this. And um, just from your perspective, after having lived an, such an awesome life so far, and you're literally just beginning it, and being an entrepreneur and, and launching a business and going through like this nine-year journey and being where you are now, if you could go back and tell the younger version of Brittany Barreto something, um, what would it be? partner with my last answer and I would tell her your body is not your enemy it's your intuition and it's your temple listen to it and love it I got chills when you said that I've struggled with um I've struggled with what I feel like is a mental eating disorder my whole life and I literally have not connected with a an answer to that statement more than I did in that moment so from the bottom of my heart thank you um, so much for saying that. That was awesome. And I know that there are so many um, men and, and women and boys and girls who are listening that probably needed to hear that. Um, so thank you so much. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful. And I know that everybody that's listening is so grateful for what you're doing and, and your spirit and your passion and your heart and your mind because you're a freaking genius. And I wish I had a doctorate degree, but like, I don't. Um, but I just think that's so cool that you have one of those. And so grateful for all of your work and your just your fight to rewrite a conversation that has been written um and to just kind of quite literally change the trajectory of history like what you're doing is is uh, it's kind of world changing so thank you for being here and thank you for sharing your story with us thank you so much for having me and uh you know if the listeners want to support me on my journey then they should download Faramore. it's a free dating app to download and if they want to buy the dna kit they can use promo code grateful for 20 percent off how exciting grateful for 20 percent off people that's amazing <laughs> i didn't know she was gonna say that that's great there you go thanks for listening everybody um <laughs> that's fantastic so remember that grateful for 20 percent off um and as always, to my audience and my community, this would not exist if it were not for you. Thank you for being on this journey. And as I say this, we have officially hit our one-year anniversary as a company. So thank you for being with us. I know it's exciting, but thank you guys for being with me from the ground up and for believing in this mission and for believing in the power of, of gratitude and um, fighting for um, a mission to end suicide. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming back. And please stay tuned for more stories as we continue spotlighting people that are quite literally changing the world we live in. As always, endlessly grateful and stay tuned for more. Thanks, guys.